Welcome to this episode of Anesthesia on Air, the podcast from the Royal College of Aesthetics. Uh, my name is Dr. Daphne Barberis. I'm a consultant anesthetist in Glasgow and chair of the Scottish Board uh, of the Royal College of Anesthetists. And today I'm delighted to have a chat with Lucy Giles, who I'm going to uh, let uh, introduce herself uh, as we're privileged to have a chat. Thank you so much, Daphne. It's it's very nice to have this opportunity for a conversation about, you know, leadership and perhaps the similarities or differences in our organisations. Um, I've been in the British Army for over 30 years now and I'm a full colonel. I'm currently working at the Defence Academy in Shrivenham, teaching and delivering courses for majors and captains in, uh, in, in the army. Uh, but I've had a full career, uh, spent a lot of the first half uh, deployed on operations in Timor, Sierra Leone, Iraq, Afghanistan, Bosnia for a few times, as well as doing UK-based operations and working uh, with other government departments. But it's the latter part of my career in the last 10 years or so in officer teaching, um, uh, training and education that I've been involved in. And um, I'm known to be the first female college commander at the Royal Military College of Sandhurst, or Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, I should say. And I was doing that for three and a half years before promoting and being the president of the Army Officers Selection Board at Westbury. So that's a little bit about me. Um, uh, I should also say I'm, I'm a mum to Jess, who's 18, about to do her first exam, and Alex, who's 14, and I'm married to Nick, who leaves the Army after 35 years uh, in August. So... Uh, very much a military family, but very much a family. Thanks very much. That was a very full um, description. And I think uh, a, a great beginning, really, because one of the things that uh, I think has, you know, is made your talk very interesting to us. And one of the things that you're talking about is really starting the beginning of your career, really as a jobbing uh military person and then developing through through the ranks and now becoming a teacher and really adding more value to to the organization and i think one of the things that i see sort of uh, similar in anesthesia or as being a doctor is that you know we start off in our clinical work we lead clinical teams um, and that develops and you know we try and motivate our teams and as time moves on, we start small, but we take on bigger leadership roles. And uh, I think adding that sort of value to the organisation is really quite important and what defines us. In terms of, you know, you're talking about sort of, uh, the, the future for yourself as thinking uh, about the next step in terms of um, choosing who becomes majors and such like. That's a big leadership role in terms of deciding who takes on the next role and that is that part of a sort of teaching structure that you do or do you just sort of do you decide your skills you know we, we have to sort of we have to forge our leadership skills as we go through our careers there are there are ways that we're taught where we, we go on courses but it's very much part of military life to to take on those roles as well how do you see that um working out well it's reasonably similar in as much as we will start as practitioners and then you develop and evolve 
through a series of interventions, both as a soldier and an officer, in terms of professional military education, um, and also, um, you know, capitalising on the experience that you learn and capturing that as part of our appraisal process as well. You know, how competent are you in the role that you're currently doing? And then what is your potential into the future? And when you identify talents, it, we then will promote people again, whether it would be a soldier in, in the officer corps, and you put people on um, courses that will take them to the next level. So the majors course that I deliver now, which is the last comprehensive course that, that is uh, conducted in the army, and we uh, this is at the 10-year point in their career, uh, and it's an eight-month course. So we take people offline so that they completely focus on themselves and their competency um, through an accredited uh, academic framework um, based through military contexts that we, that we uh, and understanding the world that we live in. And then uh, at the end of that, they're ready to go to the next level of command and also the staff that we have to do as well. So that's how we, that's the sort of model we use um, as part of an educational framework and talent management. Brilliant. One of the things that I was interested in when I was, uh, you know, uh, reading and uh, looking at leadership particularly is they often say uh, as part of courses like that, that uh, demonstrating personal characteristics is the important thing. How important do you think it is? Because obviously, you know, there's a lot about leadership. Is it are you made or are you born? And you're talking particularly there about training people. I mean, that is I, mean, I think we, we do believe that leadership is is made. Um, but, you know, personal characteristics, do you think that's important as well? It, it's critical. And in my last job where I was the president of the Army Officers Selection Board, well, that's exactly what we were looking at. We were looking at not only intellect and the practical application of intellect, we were looking at uh, and, and people's physicality. But we were also looking at about personality, you know, how determined were people, um, how, what, what was it that they were able to bring to the party? Could they interact well within a group, get their ideas across? So the, the personal characteristics that people do have are, are critical. But uniquely with the army, I think, but I would say it would be in, this, in, a, in a medical profession as well, is how, it's how you behave under pressure. So when we do our training at Sandhurst, we are deliberately putting people under uniquely difficult situations. Uh, half of it, nearly half of the training is um, in field conditions. So it's outside in an austere environment, which is challenging for some. Uh, we put time pressure on, we put physical pressure on. And it's not because we're trying to catch people out. It's just that people need to uh, understand and know themselves in those situations because our profession of arms is about ultimately prosecuting violence on the Queen's enemy in difficult situations and in an expeditionary nature overseas, um, as well as uh, at her, closer to home. So we have to train as we fight, and that is in a pressurised situation. And um, you've got to have people that can cope with it, both mentally and physically. And part of that, the mental attribute, um, is about that character. And so we look for it in selection, we train with that, and we appraise it on an annual basis as well. 
that's really interesting. I was I was I was slightly smiling there uh, because uh, one of the uh, personality qualities that you said was physicality, which fortunately for anesthesia, I don't think we need too much physicality. At least I don't think stamina to to last uh, the day. Um, but uh, one of the other things that we've been developing in teamwork in anesthesia is a bit of a flattened hierarchy which obviously I guess doesn't really gel that well uh, with with what you do. I, actually I think it does because one of the things we notice and and we we now um, look for is is to have more diverse thinking and more diverse teams and I think that is one of the sessions that that is covered in the in the conference about the importance of diversity and inclusivity and when um, leading teams having having different points of view and having a mindset in which you're open to receiving those different points of view is critical for uh, enhanced performance and in our case operational effectiveness so being able to have um, be able to listen to the junior NCO the person in the room that may suddenly have a different view to the plan that you've already constructed uh, it, it's, it's critical because at the end of the day it's about making sure that we can um, we, we, we save lives or protect lives depending on the the, the, the situation that we we are uh, find ourselves in operationally my friend of mine um, in Afghanistan was doing what we call a rock drill a rehearsal of concept drill so you were practicing how you would actually ex execute the plan and not all of the senior team were there they had one person was away for for a reason and another person um, was on their leave at the time so they weren't physically in so a junior NCO had to be in that that conversation and he came up with something that was an absolute showstopper and it completely changed the plan so you need those different perspectives different ways of thinking to be effective in the team that's really interesting. I, I'm, I am surprised, but I'm also really fascinated by that, actually. And that's, uh, I mean, certainly, in, as I say, in anaesthesia, we've been moving more and more to that. And I think leadership is very much, as we all agree, I think it's about setting a direction and motivating others. And I think that's, it's good that we've got that communication and, and as I say, flattened hierarchy to, to allow people to express themselves. And I think more and more in health and social care there's an interest in ensuring that everybody actually develops a degree of leadership for for and also that can express it and communicate it and develop it within their own sphere and then uh, go to the next stage and the next stage obviously from there um yeah i yeah, know that's really that's really I, interesting i love what you said there daphne in terms of of setting direction as a leader because I think that's really important in a military parlance we might call that the intent what is our intention what is it what is it we are aiming to do and if you use the metaphorical compass you're setting the direction of travel very clearly and and and, and prepared to walk in that direction but it's bringing the right people with you through communicating and other tools that I think is is quite clear now the interesting thing is when you start to deviate from that direction of travel and sometimes you subconsciously do it and you don't even know you're suddenly 
you know, moving away from either the values or the 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 the, the, the uh, organization is setting or the task that you're involved in. So and it's interesting to have that self-awareness of where you may or may not go or again, creating a culture or an environment in which people will try and draw you back on track and not just chastise you or, you know, uh, apply discipline in a unhelpful way where people can't learn to, to bring it back on track. So I love that thing about setting direction because I think that's pretty key in a leadership role. One of the things that I enjoy about doing the college work is that I feel like you're trying to make um, against a background sometimes that's not always conducive to, to making a difference. Obviously, that's, I'm sure that's something that resonates <laughs> with you. Things I was interested in is, um, you know, many people might say, well, why take on a leadership role? Why develop that? If, especially as an anaesthetist, uh, you know, you can stay, uh, you, you can do the job in hand. I think it's about adding more value to the profession um, and also sort of making a difference. Do you think that's similar? I, I think we're, I think it absolutely is. You've got to get up in the morning every day, I think, particularly in a leadership role and think, what is my purpose here? What, what, am, what am I doing? And if, if, the, if the day doesn't make a difference to the profession in, 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 in whatever way, or you aren't making a difference to the people who make things happen, then you, you, that's when you start losing that sense of purpose and, and the apathy starts kicking in and, and you think, well, what, what's the point of doing all of this? And sometimes it's because you've lost sight and you just, you know, it, it, you've lost sight of the vision. You, you're, you know, the fog's come down, the white mist is there and you just can't see the wood from the trees, if, again, using the metaphor. But if you can have someone to help you clear or, you know, the fog or if it's if it can't be cleared, you need to probably move and into a into another space. But but I think it, grounding everything we do into why we're doing it is really important and and uh, making a difference to people's lives. And in your case, very, you know, the reality of saving lives and making a difference to people. Um, quality of life and, and the, the the role you would have in a medical team to make things happen is is just phenomenal and has to be celebrated so making a difference is um you know it grounds us all doesn't it and and it does in the military and i think the, the when we lose sight of that we and we've lost our way we need to re reflect on whether, whether this is still the vocation that you need to be in yeah no, i agree <laughs> just bringing something back that you mentioned earlier was the, the importance of equality and diversity which is really to some extent also very topical um but i was i was reflecting on the issues of self-awareness in leadership and the importance of trying to understand your own limitations uh, do you think that's important as well i think it's critical and we have a leadership model uh, that we use as a framework for us to, you know, continue to develop our leadership journey. And, and one of them is, you know, the, the four pillars are what leaders are, what leaders know, what leaders do, and then how they do it. So, and that first pillar about what leaders are is, is you know, it's not just as simple as am I quite didactic in these situations or Socratic in another. So it's not about leadership theory. It's about 
who are you what makes you tick what's in what what what, how are you made up what is it that 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 gets you out of bed in the morning so you know are your values true and are you actually living by the values of the organization you are now in and if they're not aligned you know it's a question for you to ask yourself if, if that's you know for you so that that first element of our you know journey what leaders are is is about self-reflection as much as what people think of you and uh we do a practice uh called the jahari window when we we do some of our courses i don't know if you do that um as part of your training but it what it does ultimately is it, it highlights your you you write your own sort of strengths and areas of development or you know that 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 are out there, but you also get somebody else to do it. And what you do is end up having a blind spot where somebody can see something, but you have no idea that they can see it. So understanding those blind spots and either accepting them and coping with them or reflecting that you need to put your torch on and shine in there a bit more, <laughs> you know, or I think um, that's quite helpful. But you've got to be in the right, as I said before, you've got to have the right kind of mindset to be able to be OK with being that self-aware, because it does leave you quite vulnerable. I mean, I don't know if you find that with the teams that you work with, Daphne, that, that you know, how how much work and investment do you do on really understanding those individuals so that you can build the teams effectively? Well, I think it's very, I agree with you. I think it is very important. I, I, what I would say is that actually, I think within the NHS, there's, there's a lot of focus on leadership skills and leadership training and developing self-awareness, that describing the sort of techniques you're talking about. But I, I would say that the, the, the development of the training is obviously not as far on as it obviously is in the military, um, we are more left to our own devices of learning as we go along and attending courses which are structured if you're interested. I mean, I think self that's a really interesting uh, perspective on self-awareness and how you understand yourself because the reality is we've all got our own prejudices and it's actually it's actually understanding them and making then making the right decision based knowing that you have that and so that it doesn't conflict and i think that is still relevant um within actually within life perhaps but perhaps that's a bit big big for me to say you're right Daphne. it's so important because we're you know the thing is with the, the celebrating diversity it's not and and we all know it's not about just protective char- characteristics it's about how people think as well and um you know the experiences they've got what that brings to the party etc so it's not just about um about as you said protected characteristic but the thing is with diversity is then you're dealing with a broad spectrum of people and 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 it's quite effortful getting to know everybody and how they tick so that you can then build those you know, develop them all individually, but build those teams and achieve the tasks that you, you want to do, which is how we describe in our leadership model about what leaders do. So it's that's what they do. So they build teams and, you know, through developing their individuals and, and then achieving the tasks. So um, it's effortful. So you have to put time aside to do it, I think. And it's, um, uh, I spend um, quite a lot of my working day 
literally going to people's offices and I know it's not been easy to do that in in the, in the current environment for some people but it's leadership through lots of cups of tea I think they call it so you're you're literally <laughs> going around and having a chin wag with people but that is work it's it's part of your understanding of how people work you know how people tick I had an interesting, uh, I listened to an interesting presentation by one of my colleagues who talked about that we all suffer a little bit from imposter syndrome, um, whereby, you know, you're asked to do something and you think, and, and I thought to somebody else, oh, I think I've got a bit of imposter syndrome. So this was a sort of self-awareness moment. And somebody else said to me, no, that's actually normal it's probably I'd be concerned about people who don't reflect on things and worry that, you know, how did I get there? Should I be, am I good enough? Could I do more? And all these things. Is that something that, you know, are you allowed to have that in the military? <laughs> God, it's a good question. I've, I've not had it flipped that way. And actually, I think it's a really interesting way of viewing things because, you know, when I'm on stage, at anesthesia you know conference I, I will be nervous about it because you know you've got a load of people online you've got a load of people in the room and you know that you're not just up there as Lucy Giles you're there as a colonel in the British army in uniform looking the part and there will be an expectation of what that how that may or may not come across and you you know it's quite a big you know challenge in some ways and then then I then I sort of get real with myself and I think do you know what this is just people in the room that are interested and it wouldn't be here if they weren't interested and actually all I'm talking about is thought, thoughts from myself with the based upon experience in the army and it will be different from what other people will have had and it might be interesting and if one point lands and it and it helps somebody then you know things have been achieved so you do feel um is that imposter syndrome about thinking, you know, that I, I suspect we've all got it. I, I certainly do feel it a lot, a lot of the time, but then I need to just remind myself I'm just me and, you know, people can take it or leave it <laughs> a little bit. Well, I think it is great and very interesting because I think a lot of these things are, are that they're, they're interestingly different, but also resonate a, a great deal with, either what we do do or what we should do or where we can go and I think certainly if you're early in your career as an anaesthetist and a doctor I think it's 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 good to listen to the processes and ways that people can develop their career and I think as I say they're very similar and I think even for myself who perhaps is the the slightly towards the latter end um <laughs> Of their career, I haven't finished. I haven't finished developing. I'm still interested in 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 sort of adding to the service, in doing things to make change and improve improve things, and also hopefully to to help my younger colleagues develop as well um, within that. And meanwhile, as an anist, we've obviously got to continue our if you like our day job which is which is the sort of bread and butter that we we work within so i we're, we're it was it's absolutely fantastic that you can come here speaking to us at this conference and i think <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it's brilliant so 
I don't think you have to worry about imposter syndrome, but I think it's always an interesting question. And it, and it was just fun when somebody gave it a name, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. But it's, it, yeah, and I, and it chimes with me, actually, Daphne, when you mention about, um, if I can respectfully sort of sum, sum, summarise the being in the twilight of one's career, because I am, and 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 then your mind, or I, my mindset anyway, has 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 sort of reframed to be about get, trying to always give something back and add a bit of value. Which is why I enjoy ch chatting at conferences, and it's it's the stuff in the margins, isn't it, as well? And having these kind of conversations, I learn so much. And I, if you've got a curiosity, and you're interested, and you're engaged, and you've got that sort of approach, I, I think you'll always be, um, uh, you know, on the front foot in in, in, in any organisation and individually as well. So that you, you know, you feel better in yourself, and you're as I said, your mindset's uh, a bit clearer. And then I think that that allows us to be able to be more effective mentors to to some of the people that are coming up behind us um, that may look like us or may not look like us. So uh, yeah. I, I've been in a minority for the entirety of my career with 10, 12% of women in the British Army, you know, where I'm always sort of surrounded by lots of, people who don't look like me <laughs> and um and so sometimes uh it, it can be difficult for people who are joining who do look like me to see visible role models out out there so I've been embracing that little one as well and um and, and left myself open to any kind of mentoring but also being a mentee myself and also having people we, we call them reverse mentors so this is people in your organization can tell you in a safe psychological space if there's any giving you any feedback so but I wouldn't have done that a few years ago because the culture in the and, and the environment wasn't like that it, we weren't into learning and continuous improvement in the same way that we are now so yeah we're all heading in the right direction I think Daphne <laughs> yes I, I think that is good and one of the very positive things just I was one of the things that you told us about early on was about uh, your husband and your children. And we've just been through a COVID pandemic, which put a lot of pressure on my colleagues and myself. And work-life balance and well-being are quite important, well, very important issues. And that's something that, you know, you in developing your career, how important has that been and how easy has it been? the the importance of being uh, understanding how your mentality and physicality are linked and how the two can be mutually supportive um and therefore you've got to be look after yourself not just by running lots of miles but by investing in your cognition as well is has been a bit of a revelation over the last few years and I and I say that because I think we've been doing that and I've done yoga and, and mindfulness but I hadn't and I love doing Sudoku and keeping my brain active but I hadn't linked it into why that makes me more relaxed or calmer or okay with myself and not beating myself up and self-induced stress because I haven't hit a deadline well actually, you know what I haven't and it's okay 
so so having a different approach again has been um something that that has crept up on us as an organization but i think all of us in a, have, have now especially some of us a bit older in the organization have, have, have lent in and embraced it a lot more so for example literally this morning that's why i'm i'm, I'm the the uh People listening to the podcast won't know, but, you know, Daphne can see that I'm in my PT kit. And I've literally just come from doing some team PT this morning. Nothing too, uh, uh, you know, too hectic, although there was a bit of sweat, you know, produced. But um, and I was talking to the team that, that, that run the physical programme on camp and we will be putting in for our students. And we have, you know, 10 percent of the British Army on these courses at any one time you know we will be putting in well-being sessions throughout the course which might sound well of course you would do but actually when the, there's demand on in terms of time and resources and training and you've got to meet these learning objectives etc in that you we're making it more explicit as a, a learning objective you've got to learn to look after yourself and be kinder to yourself so that we're putting it in deliberately rather than people doing it in the margins so that people understand the importance of that reflective practice to support their mental health and their physical health. I agree. Uh, I think uh, my own uh, personal life, uh, family and, uh, and friends have been the important thing and the work-life balance to make sure that uh, the outside work is, is fundamental to how you function at work as well and makes all the difference, especially through difficult uh, times um, and I was lucky enough to have that support. I, I have um, to say Daphne that, that for, for you but, but what I will say is the first thing I will say is that the, the work that the National Health Service has done in the last few years has just been absolutely phenomenal and the, the work that you Daphne and your colleagues have done to, to be able to make things work has just been phenomenal and the selfless commitment that that has included as you know is is 100 commended uh, so thank you very much for that and and i, I would say that, that for lockdown for me personally and with the family dynamic there i'm probably one of the few that actually valued that space and time with the family but my husband he was in kabul um, he had to come away from Kabul when it fell. He was on a course when we were when we went straight into lockdown, and so he was able to spend some time with a family that he wouldn't have otherwise had. And that, that might seem, but for, for for me, we turned what is was a national challenge for everybody and difficulty, and with with sadness in there, we turned we tried we tried to turn some of it around into being joyful as well. So that's how we how we managed it. But yeah, thank you to you and your colleagues. Well, thanks very much, Lucy. And it's been absolutely delightful to talk to you. And we really appreciate it. And thanks very much. And we better let you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Honor. Thank you for listening to Anesthesia on Air from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover or you'd like to feature in the podcast, please email podcast at rcoa.ac.uk. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, 
and our programme of events and courses. You can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.